Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. So today's episode, or I guess, first of all, thank you for joining me. Uh, but yeah, today, <laughs> I like to start by saying thank you for listening, sending the kind messages, and also just listening to my thoughts and now uh, other people's thoughts and discussions we have. It truly does mean a lot, and yeah, and continue doing that. It really helps validate me and helps me, remind me that I exist. Yeah. <laughs> And if you'd like to continue supporting the show, uh, you can check out the bonus feed using the link in the bio. And if you're listening to this, I might have the Apple Podcast new kind of subscribe option, which will have the bonus episode feed. So you can all do it from one app if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Uh, yeah. So I just want to be able to offer more options to to access that feed and, and also easier to support me. Uh, but you can also support me in other Less tangible ways, I, th- I think is the right way to say it. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. But anyway, other ways that are also extremely helpful is just sending me messages, help motivate me, but also sharing with your friends, sharing on social media, um, leaving a review on iTunes, or I guess it's not even called leaving a review on iTunes anymore, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you're listening. But yeah, that's also other ways you can help support the show. But enough of my solo talk talking to myself. Let's introduce the episode today. Today's episode, I'm joined by that dynamic duo of Self on the Self, Self on the Shelf, which is a wonderful YouTube channel as well as a must. They're also a must follow on Instagram. Uh, the channel is run by two ex Mormons who have who love mindfulness, handstands, and pursuing an understanding of spirituality beyond religion. So you can see with that beautiful combination of why we're having them on today. So yeah, I was joined by Samantha and Tanner for a wonderful combo about Mormonism, religion, how beliefs influence our politics, spirituality, bringing our spiritual understandings into the real world. And yeah, we covered a lot of ground and it was a great combo and wonderful combo. Uh, and I highly recommend you follow all their stuff. Um, also, yeah, I'll link all their stuff below. So check out their stuff, their YouTube channel, their Instagram. Uh, they were a lot of fun as always. Thank you for listening. But enough of my blabbering solely, and let's enter the library. Cool. Did what's really quick? Did you move to Utah having never no like background in Mormonism or anything like that? Yeah, so I moved. Why well, I, I knew of Mormonism. But I didn't, I wasn't a Mormon. I wasn't a Catholic. I was, I like left religion by that point. But I mostly moved here for skiing and it seemed like a cool, low key city to check out. And yeah. And then it's kind of been like a very interesting culturally to kind of learn Mm. about the, the getting, getting the perspective of outside of Utah of what Mormons are and then being here and kind of witnessing it and, I guess, experiencing it as well, especially the other reason I kind of wanted you guys to have you guys on is I have like a lot of experience kind of being in some of the more spiritual spaces in Utah. And there's a lot of ex-Mormons in those spaces and just getting that perspective and seeing how, how much a cultural upbringing has like influenced their beliefs even after they leave. And it's just, that's all been kind of fascinating to me. So it's been really interesting because I've always been intrigued and interested in religion, but Mormons, the Mormon faith has always fascinated me with its unique uh, intricacies as well. But 
yeah, so I guess I guess to start is quickly like kind of introducing yourselves and then also just kind of your background coming into Mormonism and then kind of you quickly like how you left it essentially. Um, I joined Mormonism when I was 17 in England, um, just while, you know, having a teenage crisis and um, kind of going through a rough patch in my life, like was very vulnerable to the love bombing and to the, um, the allure of belonging and community. Um, so I was raised pretty atheist, sort of like vaguely Christian in that like England's national identity is somewhat Christian or was when I was growing up, but not really like you could make fun of Jesus. It was fine. No one really like believed Mm -hmm. in it that much. Um, so yeah, joined Mormonism at 17, went to BYU, Idaho at 18, um, was fully indoctrinated for the duration of my degree there at Tana there. Um, and then had a faith crisis after leaving university and yeah, it all came crashing down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, so is, was there like a big kind of sect of Mormonism in England? No, no. I just happened to have, uh, there were two Mormons in my school of 2000 people and they were brother and sister and I just happened to be friends with them. So Fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of uh, like through association with Mormons who are really nice, lovely people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what I always say to people, because an interesting thing about moving to Utah, of like kind of being a transplant and then like visiting family, it's always comes up like anyone that hasn't seen me in a while. The topic of Mormons come up and like my description always is, is I disagree with their beliefs. However, they're always super nice. They're very mm-hmm. polite people. Um, but I always do have the clarifier sometimes they're very polite, but sometimes yeah. they can be a little bit. But they bit... will take your rights away in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always add that clarifier because I don't want to like just completely shit on people ever. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I also want to be real with people about, yes, I can be cordial with them and get along with them and even be friends to some extent with them if they are still in the faith. But I still am going to be someone that's going to be like, okay, like, what are your beliefs doing for other people that are yeah. not involved? Um, but yeah, so that's always the, always the interesting thing. And, and I, like, I also know that niceness kind of like your experience, that's kind of how they get you. It's not just Mormonism. That's just kind of religions in general. Yeah. Like put on the, the facade of this really yeah. um, personal <clears throat> niceness. But uh, yeah. What about you, Tanner? Um. So I was born in the church and mm. like in a really, really, uh, really, just really into it. The, my parents, I learned to read, reading the Book of Mormon, you know, we, we had like oh, special nice. family yeah. meetings every week, like church oriented family meetings. We read the scriptures together, the Book of Mormon and the Bible every day before school. We sang hymns like it was very much the vibe of my family, yeah. like Mormonism as an identity, which is the dream that's what they want from me right mm-hmm. so um i kind of i think i struggled with a lot of different insecurities like people do growing up and that kind of became like something for me to cling on to and to feel superior and good about um but with that too like there's there's always two sides like the like the mormon niceness always has the shadow side of like passive aggression 
And so mm-hmm. there was, you know, some some bad things that I look back on and I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. And no teenager should be raised with that kind of mentality. Um, but there were some good things too. And I, I think it helped me develop a lot of like genuine love for people and um, looking for the good in others and that sort of thing. Um, so my, like my faith was really sincere um, because of the like emotional experiences that I had with it and the feeling of love for God and Jesus and people and all that. So mm-hmm. Um, I went on a mission to Brazil for two years, and that was like extremely difficult because um, the Mormon mission is framed as this like super transformative, miraculous, awesome, like the peak of your life. They call it the best two years of your life. And it's just really like this glorified marketing scheme. And I felt that as a missionary, and it kind of like it really jarred me because I had that anticipation for being so holy and all this and was really looking forward to working miracles and all that. And then it was just like, Oh, this is so skeezy. And, but you know, it was, they learned to find the good in that too and try to make the best of that. And then went to BYU, Idaho, where we met and started uh, making videos together, not about Mormonism, just comedy and things. And, um, but then I, I, because I was so devoted, I was really, I was studying it all the time. It was like my number one hobby and sense of identity and purpose and all that. So um, people would start coming to me with questions um, and specifically my convert friends who like were hearing about things for the first time. Like, you know, when you're in, in Mormonism from a young age, like things like polygamy, they kind of give you vague answers that keep you pacified so that it's like on your radar. They literally call it inoculation from the truth. They're like, you have to, we have to inoculate kids so that the truth doesn't kill them. <laughs> and, oh, wow. And so I was pretty well inoculated. But then these people yeah. were like, wait, Joseph Smith had how many wives and how old were they? And is it true that this is what the church was saying about black people and, you know, all this stuff? And I'm like, oh, let me look into that for you. And I, as I start researching and uncovering the actual history, just like, holy shit, this is not, this is not good. Mm-hmm. It kind of sent me on this, um, this path of, I, I was in like the last year of college, I was spending literally six hours a day, like on top of my multiple jobs and uh, class, full class schedule of just diving into Mormon history. And um, because I, you know, I was first confronted with all those things and I said, oh, I, I have to, this is like my calling. I have to find out the answer so I can help people through their, their faith, their faith crises and their doubt. Um, fast forward two years later, I, like many others who tried to do that, the same thing was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in a cult. And uh, life kind of began there. It's funny that we start with all that. That feels all like prelude now. Um, yeah. So, but, um, okay. So I always, I always wonder about this and you seem like a good source to ask this. The, the, what is it? The, is it LES or CES letter? CES letter. See the CES letter. Is that like a good recommendation? It always seemed like it just blew up Mormonism to me. I didn't know if that was your go-to, like a go-to source for people that, you know, maybe they want, what's, what are the issues with it historically and a quick synopsis? Is that a good source, I guess? It's definitely a good compilation of most of the main Mm -hmm. issues that someone in a faith crisis might have. Honestly, the, Mormon history is so extensive. It's like nothing right. could possibly cover all of it. Like, um, but I think it does a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For just for a wham, bam, here you go thing. Like it's pretty good. And there, there's been some, you know, problems or criticisms of it, but it's like, even if only half of the issues are like 
it's it's a good introduction right. that's all. i'll just leave it at that yeah yeah <laughs> it's constantly yeah. being updated like jeremy the guy who originally wrote it it's like an ongoing effort to make it as um accurate as possible mm-hmm. yeah. interesting yeah because that's always when i go to is like if people are because like people get curious about mormonism but then they're also like curious about all the details of it but then like kind of the flaws of it mm-hmm. and i always like point them to that letter and i've always just kind of wondered if that was like a good source yeah. it's, it's it looked one. good to me so I, yeah. I send it as just a quick thing to people yeah yeah it's just like a quick thing but anyway that was like a little off topic but, <laughs> yeah. um, but so now i'm, I'm kind of curious so your kind of faith crisis for both of you happened now like where did that transition to like where are you kind of after and then even like currently like spiritually philosophically and like kind of also kind of how you feel religion in general. I think that'd be kind of an interesting segue. Well, initially crushing nihilism and existential <laughs> dread, which I think is, it kind of depends. It seems like people kind of either relay to new belief mm-hmm. systems after leaving Mormonism pretty quickly. Often, I mean, Christianity continues to hold appeal for a lot of people. Right. Or I feel like people, yeah, fall into kind of, despair and not believing in anything and being very skeptical of anything that has a hint of spirituality or um, anything remotely mystic sounding. But it's been, do you have anything else you want to say about that initial phase? Um, Not about the initial phase. I think that's like the death of God kind of leaves everybody in a, in a weird predicament. Um, And um yeah it wasn't too long lived um because because for me it was like well if if there is no god in the the traditional christian sense this grandfather father in the sky who like made everything and is watching everything we do um if there's if nothing's god then then everything's god If, if nothing's sacred is everything everything is sacred and so kind of that like i i think the biggest change has been in that like move toward non-duality of um like the atheist atheism is one side of the the coin and the other is pantheism Mm -hmm. um buddhism has been really big for both of us um definitely align a lot with buddhism but um also like it's like that's a that's a really really good tool but it's not the only one um i i sometimes fuck around with can we swear on your podcast Oh yeah, say whatever you want. <laughs> I just fuck around with animism. Uh, it's just like different conceptualizations of things that are going on, knowing that like our ability to properly understand any of it is just hilariously yeah. small. Yeah. yeah, I think we became open-minded as we sort of deepened our connection to ourselves and to nature, and got a better sense for how interconnected everything is. I think that. Um, well, for me, started like um, unlocking my brain a little bit to ideas that I was just completely shut off from after leaving Heidemann religion. Mm-hmm. So it's been a kind of a slow unfolding, not always slow. I mean, there's been a lot of like epiphany type moments I feel like we've had along the way, but yeah. Oh yeah. And I feel like those are good to have throughout life too. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was really, I was also like really curious just because I was wondering if you guys had kind of gone that more, Buddhist route because that's kind of me as well because 
I don't know, in college, I got into philosophy and kind of doing deep dives on that. I was never, I, I don't have like a story of, if I, I was never really religious. Um, and, you know, I grew up Catholic and I went to church, all that stuff. And my parents weren't like super strict either about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't have like a story of transitioning there, but I definitely was like going very atheist for a while. And that's like an interesting thing also being in Utah is seeing some of the Mormons that go like hard atheist and seeing how like the, the, the experiences they have. But then I also see like the common thing, cause you're, you're right. Like the death of God, that's whether it's a death of God permanently or death of God into a new kind of conception of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like the, the interesting transitions you see, but that initial phase is really hard. So it's kind of really, for me, it's interesting to see the directions people go after that phase. Cause like for mm-hmm. me, I was kind of into like the whole atheist content side of things you know, I got into psychedelics and spirituality and looking into various like myths and rituals. And, you know, it's kind of that, that idea of like staying open-minded It opened my curiosity to new perspectives and like what they can do for you. And that, that's where like, I relate to Buddhists as well, uh, Buddhism as well, where, you know, the kind of the mindfulness states and, and all that stuff is, because for me, it was really interesting growing up, never connecting with the spirit, right? Because that's like what you know. A lot of ex Mormons, I don't doubt that they they experience this idea of the spirit or like that internal feeling that a lot of people describe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was really interesting to kind of have some of those experiences and seeing where it's coming from. Also, like that just made me have more compassion for them as well because it it does feel profound and it does feel like you you've like scratched some surface of some secret objective truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's like really helped me with relating to people in religions while also still trying to be thoughtfully critical of them, I guess you could, guess you could say. Uh, but yeah, I wonder if, I wonder for you two, if you've had any like similar experiences post post Mormonism essentially, or even like in Mormonism and, and then kind of like having a connection of like, aha, that's what I was feeling. And now this is also what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think psychedelics are generally a good indicator of so- where someone might, <laughs> a direction someone might take. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that definitely uh, has been part of our journey and yours as mm-hmm. well. Um, and really good at helping because um, what I see a lot of people um, like we're about to do a, a video on abortion and a lot of the arguments against mm-hmm. abortion, even if people think it's like this rational, non-religious thing, they don't understand the ways that they're very perspective, like the fundamental way they're approaching this issue is mm-hmm. like inherited from religion unconsciously mm-hmm. that there's, yeah. that there are other ways of framing and understanding what's happening. And we see that across the board. It's like, yeah, you can just take, God out of the equation and just move on. But it's like, well, that's not necessarily true. Like there's still so many things about life that we, we take for granted that are just kind of programmed into us unconsciously. And um, psychedelics do a really good job of blowing the lid off of all of that and getting past those Mm -hmm. cultural models and, um, and programs and connecting with just like, the, the core or the all or the, the transcendent, whatever it is. And um, yeah, it's been really helpful. And then, and in opening to other ways of looking at things, different cultural um, perspectives, um, whether that's like shamanistic cultures or mm-hmm. um, 
I've always really liked Hinduism just for the iconography and uh, music and some of that stuff. So, I don't know. Were you listening to that? You know, I kind of, I feel like your psyche plays out what it needs to play out to Mm. sort of evolve in whatever ways. Not that it necessarily always, you know, is an upward trajectory, but I think for me, Mormonism was my psyche's attempt at like, finding some sense of like safety and stability and like belief that things could be like not terrifying. And cause I grew up in a really turbulent home, um, mm. was raised by a single mother, had so much unhealed trauma that was coming to a, the surface in ways that back then I wouldn't have associated with that. Um, right. but like around the time I was joining religion and then also that then came back up when I was leaving religion. Um, so I feel like, you know, me joining Mormonism made sense. It, it it did help me advance because it did allow me for, you know, five, six years to feel this sense of safety and community and even just a sense that I was good, you know, kind of like a, I think for a lot of people who grew up in Mormonism, there's a lot of shame that they're taught. But I think for me joining at 17 in England, which is like a less intense uh you know, slightly less intense, than, well, less intense than like, say, Utah in terms of Mormon yeah, communities. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, totally. You know, people have to be more integrated with the world in England because there's not many of them. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, it was a useful experience, like having, adopting this worldview that, that could do those things for me and then having it all come crashing down, which is an ego death in and of itself. You know, suddenly everything is called into question. And then, yeah, obviously psychedelics, just a massive, massively helpful tool um, at like continuing that process of like breaking everything down. Um, And just for me, I don't know that without psychedelics, I would have been able to do the the trauma healing work I needed to do that was behind me joining Mormonism in the first place and was behind me being so uh, scrupulous while in Mormonism and things like that. So yeah kind of a random journey to have gone on but I, I really do feel like our psyches play things out for as long as they need to to be like hang on a minute there's a different way yeah oh totally yeah and that's a it's an interesting point about kind of the the idea of of how much your cultural upbringing that then it kind of influences your subconscious and that subconscious still plays out even even when you leave um mormonism i kind of like alluded to this when we first started talking on here um but this idea of okay it's like i've i've had lots of experiences with ex-mormons and also kind of witnessing the the subconscious still pop up like for example mormonism's very hierarchical like it's one of the more you know i like to study various religious perspectives god perspectives for fun and Mormonism is one of the ones that's just very hierarchical structure. Like they, like, I guess you guys can second this or not, but you know, they, that's like one of their focal points of following. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, that's like a really, that's a foundational belief that in my opinion gets into your subconscious. So like, once you even dismiss the whole God stuff, sometimes you don't always connect some of those ideas like, mm-hmm. Oh, this idea of, of what I view women and how I view like a family structure should be all these also that translates into social structures and, and, and ideas on abortion, all this stuff. 
it's not necessarily that it, the origin part of that is from God. It's like, you could still have those foundational beliefs. You didn't even realize you weren't connecting that to God, but it is connected to your view on God, which happened to be Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of my point of like saying all this is something I've, I've noticed in uh, kind of like the spiritual spaces is this isn't just Mormons. This is something I think people that are kind of in these more Christian face do oftentimes because other Christian denominations are also very hierarchical, um, but they, they leave, but then they still have that very strong social structure within their minds of like how the world works. So often they switch that and they go into a spiritual practice and they like end up wanting to follow that to a T and they're looking uh-huh. for their leader and who to follow. And, and I'm, a, I, so I'm also a psychedelic user, but um, an, a, also a, not, I don't want to say criticism, but something I like to say to people is, is that space, things feel profound. Things feel true. You perceive things as more true. That's why they're good at healing. But it doesn't mean you necessarily all the time translate that perception of this is the truth to your everyday life. And that's something I've noticed in these kind of like new agey spiritual practices mm-hmm. is you see that very religious structure still there. Of like, oh, I had this profound experience. What was that? And then they uh-huh. go and like search and they find some guru and they're like, this, this is, this is it. I was mm-hmm. wrong before, but now this is the thing. This is the thing I must follow. I don't know if you had like similar experiences or kind of how you relate to that, but I was really yeah. interested to get your guys' perspective just because I've had personal experience with witnessing that here in Utah. Mm-hmm. I definitely see people in spiritual communities like overemphasizing transcendent experiences. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me that the sort of ultimate message or benefit I've got from psychedelics is like a loosening up of my mm-hmm. uh, conception of truth, like as just as a thing, you know, like um, it, expanding my mind on, what it means for something to be true and how many different realities can exist at once. But yeah, right. I do think people, um, since the dawn of time, like we want a blueprint, we want to fit. And if we have a transcendent experience, we want it to be replicable. Um, and I feel like we can get lost in that as opposed to kind of just doing the more boring work of integration. Like, do you know who Jack Hornfield is? Like a Buddhist Anyway, here's a book called After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. And I just feel like that mm. line alone sums it up really well. Like it's Yeah, not, I was just going to say, I like that. It's not about these, a title or... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just sums it up. Chop wood, carry water. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because I, I just posted on my story that idea of... It's like, it's like this meme. I don't know if I want to describe a meme on a podcast, but basically it's like this, this guy is like, Oh, should I go back and do more medicine? And then there's like this like shadowy ghost figure and behind him, like crawling through a tunnel and be like, integrate me. So it's like, <laughs> so it's this idea of like, you know, it's, it's important to, I, I think it's important to find various outlets. People don't, I know I'm not someone that's like, Oh, you have to do psychedelics. So I don't think it's for everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It can also be very debilitating and yeah. disassociating. Um, and that can be a lot for people. And, but yeah, it, it, you, the way you, you also said that it kind of reminded me of something is uh, that kind of hierarchical structure kind of, again, comes out where it's like, 
you know, you kind of talked about that idea of truth where it's like, they think they're leading towards something like one uh-huh. final point. <laughs> I want to get to the top. Spirituality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like getting to the tippy top and then I'll know, and then mm-hmm. I'll, then I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my opinion, it's very much more horizontal and it comes yes. in like ebbs and flows within this like horizontal structure of, of, kind of your experiences and that kind of moves with the more like flowing with everything in my opinion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's always, that's what's always fascinated with me about people, especially here in the West that get into something like psychedelics where they maybe necessarily didn't have like a meditative practice beforehand. And I think a lot of times you people bring in that whole tool set that they were born with into that space and then you kind of get those interesting like pop-ups of, of their previous structures that they brought in that didn't necessarily get opened up, yeah. um, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I always say I don't believe in a, in a higher power, but I do believe in a wider power. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. That's you good. Know, our, our identity threads out through the entire planet. We're just like intersections of of mm-hmm. bajillion creative vectors and narratives and influences and motivations and, you know, and exactly. peptides and proteins, you know, every, all yeah. of that. And uh, so we, we draw that from, from everything. That's why I say like, you know, it's things like animism and pantheism. I really relate to that. Something that I observe in, in Utah, and I can't quite say it's a criticism because I'm guilty of it, uh, <laughs> but it's the, confusing aesthetic with with spiritual work or or conviction or paradigm like uh especially with mormonism which is so stagnant and boring and you know what you have is it uh to plato or aristotle has the good the true the beautiful um mormonism really likes to pretend to claim the true and the good and really could use some help with the beautiful because the aesthetic is just so (laughs) dry and boring and white um and i think people leaving that uh i and i do i I love the dressing up and the going wild and and Mm -hmm. you know experimenting with look and 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 as an artist i'm really captivated by by beautiful things but i think especially here there's that temptation to think that oh if i'm burning incense and wearing the scarves and (laughs) the rings, then I'm a spiritual person because I'm not like these Mormons who just, you know, wear a suit and tie every day. Oh, interesting. um, But like I said, it's just an observation. Um, Maybe it's only criticism if you can laugh at yourself or if you can't laugh at yourself and recognize that, yeah, that's just like, that's just looks like that doesn't necessarily prove the, the truth or the goodness of your, of your spiritual paradigm. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I, I think, like you were saying, it's easy for people doing psychedelics and other things, getting into these um, really deep spaces, also through like hypnosis and uh, mm-hmm. shamanic drumming. And, you know, there's lots of ways of getting there. Um, but then drawing conclusions from those things that may not necessarily, you know, I, I'm not a believer in reincarnation or uh, things like that. It, right. it could be that way, but I don't think it's possible to really know. And sometimes, sometimes I'm a little wary when people draw a lot of like really, really lean into the abstract mm. and uh, insist that that's like reality. And it's like, it's okay to play with different models, but 
to like really have a hard stance on this and to stake your identity on it and your relationships with other people based on these things. I don't know. Get a little. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because that's, that's something that's always fascinated me. Not, it's not like a, I'm not trying to like say this as though like, Oh, like I never had this issue, but for me, my like personal experience with it is having these like crazy like transcendent experiences and ego death, right? Feeling like you grasping some higher truth, but it comes for me, it came, like came in these really odd ways. You're, you, I left it feeling like, what the fuck was that? Right. <laughs> and, and I've always found it fascinating because, you know, you talk with people that have also had similar experiences and you never really know for sure if your language is matching up or you're describing a very actually like what's actually a similar experience. Mm-hmm. But when I encounter someone that has like staked their foundation in that, it's blown my mind because I'm like, oh, I don't even know for sure what was going on. <laughs> like, it, it, you know, I, and I like the aspect of not knowing for sure what's going on because I've, that's something I've internalized where I wasn't for sure. I can, I can read about stuff and take meaning from things and, and try to evaluate from that and make sense of it. But I, I know I'm just not going to know for sure. And I, and I feel like that's like the safe space to be at. Because it's at the end of the day, this idea of faith, this idea of a spiritual experience, it is subjective. It's something that we can't measure. We can't quantify. We can't do all these things that we're better able to verify within the external world. This is something that's very internal. Uh, And what we have to rely on to describe the internal experience are external mechanisms. And immediately there, you're going to have like a, it's not going to line up well because everyone has a different way of expressing themselves to, to some extent. Um, and that's, that's like the whole thing that's always fascinating to me is, is kind of, you know, I'm, I'm someone that likes to question people's beliefs. It's kind of like what I have a podcast for and <laughs> do all my social media stuff for is it's something I'm passionate about, but trying to do it in a compassionate way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like the, the, the battle I found that's really hard and that's like the step to really open people up to questioning their beliefs is this, that, that idea of, okay, can I admit to myself that these personal experiences of something divine, for example, might be just my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like always been the fascinating thing with even people that are like still in religion or out of religion and just are, call themselves spiritual. You still see those issues pop up. And I don't know if you guys have had a, a similar dilemma as well and, and maybe kind of ways that you've found to best open people up to, to that idea a little bit, or if you even agree with that idea, I guess, too. <laughs> it's interesting hearing you describe your experiences with psychedelics. Cause I, I wonder if maybe you've taken bigger doses or just kind of had like a different mm. sorts of experiences. Cause I feel like most of the things I've taken have been pretty like, um, honestly just reasonable you know stuff about like learning about my own um conditioning my own emotional health the fact that we're all interconnected like increased empathy and yeah i i guess i those sort of um feelings of divinity are almost well they're like an inherent part of all of that you know um right but 
yeah, I don't know if I've necessarily had experiences where um, it's something that I don't, like I do feel like most of the experiences I've had extrapolate to others in the sense that they're just about like looking at myself and, you know, looking right. at um, suffering in the world and, yeah, I guess just more uh, regular things. I don't know how to describe it. We heard uh, recently from a person who did LSD and then went to a Mormon church and saw God there. So now they're in the Mormon church again. Oh. And I, my first question is like, well, did you try it in a different church? <laughs> did you did you see if that worked in a Hindu well, temple? Did you think about how you have a lifetime of conditioning towards that church? So your brain is perfectly primed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't understand stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, well, think... I do, but I don't understand the appeal of... A lot of people in ex-Mormonism will be like, I want to do mushrooms and go to the temple. And we're like, that, that is our like worst. worst. <laughs> but people get this kick out of it, you know, like revisiting. Right. <laughs> Maybe it's just something you have to play out longer for some people. Yeah. But it seems harrowing to like do psychedelics and go back to that. I think because we in particular were such intense Mormons that the pendulum has swung pretty far back. So mm. like I, I, it would be really hard pressed to come back to a belief in like a, ver- a really personal deity. Like mm-hmm. I, right. I definitely have like major guru radar things. Like anytime I, I send someone that. talking in like Same. spirit voice <laughs> or like setting themselves up as some kind of, I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I have lost interest. I do not want to. I, I, I totally feel that. <laughs> but you know, for people who like really are need that sense or sense the need for some kind of, that structure and authority and whatever, like it can be really enticing. I just, I can't yeah. stand it. <laughs> and I do think if you're, if you still, if your psyche still doesn't feel safe without latching onto something, then of course you're more vulnerable to that. And if you're, I don't know, I, I just think everyone has their own process and maybe we were just sort of lucky in that sense. So by the time we, had, or when we took psychedelics, I don't know, I feel like it, taking them happened in tandem with personal healing. So it was like, I was sort of becoming healthier. So I had less need to cling to like an ideology. Oh yeah. That's interesting. The the answer, you know, I was just like getting very satisfying insights and well, yeah, answers. um, But none of them felt like, um, you know, these larger than life things where I was like, the world needs to know about this deity. I don't know. I think right. a part, an indicator for me personally of the usefulness of a religion is like how just straight up it can be. I think, I think Buddhist Buddhism yeah. is like an extremely metal philosophy. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to offer you anything comforting. Life is suffering. And if you can just lower your expectations about literally everything, you'll mm-hmm. suffer a little less. And to me, I'm like, that's useful. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't yeah. tell me on like, oh, on this abstract thing that I'll only be able to understand and appreciate when I'm when I'm dead and can't cash in on your promise. Like that to me is is you know wishful thinking. It's trying to pacify, whereas like something that gives you the tools to just cope with reality as it is without having to yeah. pretend like it's something else or it's going to be something else. Just like here's how it is. Accept it. Learn to accept it. Learn to like remove your walls of resistance to life. And then, you know, there's mm-hmm. Taoism in that too. And it's all kind of related, but, but yeah, I, I think uh, that's what I'm looking for is like something to just help me like cope with, with things as they are and not, not 
feel like I've arrived. I am enlightened. Now everything should be easy and good. And now I'm this uh, transcendent teacher who can offer the right way of doing things the way God. And it's like, I'm right. so sick of all that. <laughs> and I always well, feel like a marker of that is when people are just overly obsessed with the transcendent experiences. Like it's all about constantly being blissed out and, right. you know, meditating for four hours a day. And, you know, I have no issue with that. I'm like, I think that could be valuable, you know, could see myself getting into that. But I just think, yeah, I feel like for me, the, the, the best spirituality is one that is, quite normal you know like you're not trying to be different from others necessarily it's okay if you are but you know it's just like these these uh healthy practices and mindsets integrated into a regular life you don't have to become some guru or see yourself as some enlightened being or constantly seek out the transcendent you know embodiment over transcendence is a phrase i really like we even see like, uh, you know, there's a lot of, especially in the new age community, this idea of like high vibrations and mm, you know, totally. toxic positivity or whatever. And it's like, well, who distinguishes between vi- like the goodness of vibrations? I like, literally even just waves. Like, charts <laughs> where it will have all these very specific <laughs> the numbers. Funnel of, thing. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like totally. at the top is enlightenment. <laughs> and then like a third of the way down is like peace and love. And I texted it to Tanner the other week and I was like, imagine only being at peace and love. <laughs> but it's just so bizarre that they have this like hierarchy of spiritual frequencies. And if you're feeling anger, then you're a bad low vibe. So it's like, or you're just a homo sapiens experiencing an emotion for a perfectly reasonable reason. And you just need to sit with that and it's all good. I'm really glad you brought up that the the funnel thing, of the, <laughs> the little hierarchy of new age spirituality. Okay. Uh, but that was kind of like my point earlier too, of, of the very Western attachment to these Eastern yes. traditions, because they often yeah. like <laughs> borrow from it. Eastern traditions, but don't actually know which Eastern tradition they're borrowing from. Mm-hmm. Don't all they, sometimes they try to mix them where it doesn't make any sense. And that funnel one I see all the time. <laughs> that is one that I, I, yeah. I'm just where where did you where did this come from? This is not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, that's a very good point about how I see this constant pursuit of the transcendent feeling and this constant like blissed out state. Um, and yeah, I also see like a kind of a big issue with the toxic positivity in the new age spaces as well because you know, that's a criticism I have of more traditional religions and say Mormonism or Christian denominations is although it comes across as a little bit more of a boring way of doing it, in my opinion, uh, cause I don't know how blissed out you can actually get in some of those face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a very similar thing where it's almost becomes this sedation and avoidance of those not so good feelings. And that's like something I, I like to remind people of, of it's not all about the feeling blissed out and transcendence and positive vibes only and high vibration. Cause what are like you said, Tanner, what are even high vibrations? I, I don't know. Like, how do you know for sure? What, is what do you life better than on? sound? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Is, is where is this coming from? This is hard to verify whatever, whatever you're talking about. Um, and it's just, yeah, I just see, I see a really big importance of sometimes internalizing those kind of nihilistic perceptions, those, those uncertainty or, or, you know, anxiety, whatever it is, these, these 
what people often call negative emotions or feelings or belief systems, uh, when those arise up, I often think they're an indicator of something that should be analyzed. And it's not something to be like, oh, I'm feeling this thing. I better go take a bunch of LSD and run around in the forest. Maybe, maybe that is the best way, but it's, it's <laughs> wrecking. You're right. But it's like recognizing why you're doing that instead of just doing that to avoid the thing. You yes. know what I mean? Uh, and, and I, I think, think that's like the key there. But go ahead. You also see that play out um, in pe- like people having apathy towards, um, you know, just issues facing the world. Like I'm all for turning off the news and protecting your nervous system and being aware of the ways that, you know, different people have a vested interest in getting you riled up and, you know, avoiding outreach porn and all that. But in the very same breath, there are all these issues that we do need to, you know, unite in, in fixing. And I, 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 I'm turned off by how much um, sort of political apathy there can be in spiritual communities. And I do think everyone's got to do what's, you know, what's right for them. And if you truly, your nervous system cannot take it, who am I to say what anyone else should do but I feel like an important part of Buddhism that I resonate with is like being willing to look at suffering and I think it's important that we're you know engaged in learning about um, things we can do to reduce it in the world and not just have this kind of like I'm just going to transcend above everything and if you're worrying about politics in any way then you know you're just uh, whatever whatever the criticism is of people who care about politics. And it's funny because that's actually, that's even has been a criticism of some Buddhists, not necessarily <clears throat> the <Yeah>. underlying <laughs> philosophy, but it's like, you can just be apathetic. Like, yeah. oh, this is the way the world goes. Like, right. Everything is suffering. Yep. Like see, ya. and not being an active participant in the story and the drama. And yeah. So yeah, I think I definitely am not uh, personally drawn to the whole, like go off to a monastery and separate yourself in the name of, your own purification. I'm like, I feel like the work is to be done in the world. Again, though, not judging anyone else's choices. Well, yeah. Obviously, there's a, there's many different ways people approach Buddhism. I very much relate to that because and I, I agree with that Buddhist point or some Buddhists are very apathetic, like you said. Just Roger Stone's wife is Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, wow. That, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to be. <laughs> She's like evil. Life She's is suffering and evil exists. <laughs> it's her coping mechanism. That's why she can't. Yeah. She can't address the, Roger. She has lowered her expectations fully. <laughs> to the ground. Oh, totally. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's that idea, and I have. I'm glad you said this because I have a very similar uh, issue with some. And like you said, Samantha. Um, Similar also in the sense of some people, I get it. You know, it's if they go and focus on that, they're going to lose it. And I don't want people to lose. I want people to find peace in life. So if that's something they've genuinely um, assessed for themselves, do that. Right. I, I also am of the belief that there's a lot of people that do have this desire to just run off. And it's just another way of avoiding the problems and knowing that they could actually be helpful and face them and help people out. And, you know, it's, it's also, it comes from the belief that I don't think everyone's going to be able to go run off to a monastery <laughs> because if everyone did that, the world would probably fall apart given the current structures we have about the world. <laughs> yeah. So what do we do about that? <laughs> uh, but yeah. It, and, and for me, it's, 
it's like you, if you go and have these realizations of higher empathy and more love for everyone and, and kind of the connectedness with your fellow human, I take that. And then, okay. It's like, for me, you know, psychedelics and spiritual practices, it's a way to kind of analyze your beliefs. But from that point of analyzing your beliefs, it becomes about, okay, from my beliefs, I'm able to analyze these. I see the kind of the good ways that it's helped me out. And also my beliefs of where it's kind of like fucked me up a little bit Mm -hmm. and past experiences and all that stuff. So for me, that translates into, okay, what beliefs do people have in society that then translates into suffering for others? Mm -hmm. Because it's a very real thing. And this is where it's like, people ask me about, you know, why, why do you still criticize religion or why do you want to push back on people a little bit? Because sometimes I think that it's like, yes, you respect people's beliefs. However, it's when you even a sign of respect is to ask them about them and wonder about them. It's like, if your beliefs are ending up, I like if my calculations or researching and, and, and talking with people, if I'm like, okay, if I personally think that your beliefs are causing suffering for others, I feel an obligation to also question why you're doing that mm-hmm. and why you have those beliefs. And maybe is there a way to maybe alter that a little bit? Right. Um, and yeah, and, and that's, that's for me why, like, I wouldn't be able to just run off to a monastery or to the jungle and just hide away for the rest of my life. It'd probably be peaceful as hell, but also it wouldn't be peaceful in the, in, in the right sense because I'd probably be constantly thinking about, well, what's going on in the world? And like, how are pe- other people doing and stuff like that? And that's, that's kind of the point I always come back to, which is probably why I'm still trying to do stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, I'm really glad you said that. Cause that's, I have a very similar uh, issue and, and facing that as well, but yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I even get a little, uh, pessimistic about like it, i'm helping like i'm, oh, I'm talking yeah. online oh and, same. Uh, but it was, it was really comforting to listen to that uh discussion with noam chomsky and uh mm. and contrapoints natalie oh yeah uh, as well. it, it's like at the end of the day that is what that is the work is like it's changing yeah. minds uh, mm-hmm. analyzing beliefs and like all coming to better models of reality that help us function as a collective yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think people just want, <laughs> we all want to feel like the things we're doing are going to have the desired outcome. And there's just, you just have to accept a degree of uncertainty. Sometimes when you speak up on an issue, mm-hmm. you don't know if you're just going to cause people to double down and maybe you won't make any net positive impact <laughs> or maybe right. you will, maybe just the way that you talk to people will make a difference. So you can never really know and you just have to kind of be okay with that uncertainty but I think that can be hard for people. Yeah. Yeah, I've, it's definitely a problem I face. And it's also really good. Tanner, when you said where it's like you, you put this stuff out there and you're like, am I actually doing this? Uh, I pretty much face that every day. um, I don't know if you, if you, YouTube, like you guys also create content. So if you haven't, uh, Bo Burnham's new special. I was li- that's what I was just literally Bo thinking Burnham. of. I was like, I hope this is leading to this. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I I love that special, but it also concerned the hell out of me. Someone, you know, obviously I'm not Bo Burnham level, but still, people, you know, getting messages from people, getting DMs, you know, all that stuff, and comments and all this. 
and it's still, you know, when Bo, this is, this is why I wanted to bring this up when Bo was like sitting in his chair and he's basically just like, here's another white guy, cisgendered mm-hmm. white guy <laughs> with an opinion. And then he like does a whole song about that. And I'm like, that's literally my dilemma every day. It's like, <laughs> am I actually doing anything? Am I just a distraction and, and all this stuff? And yeah. <laughs> then the other thing I faced from that point is it's like, I have beliefs myself. Who am I to question your beliefs, first of all? And then second of all, it's like, when I do question your beliefs, am I just leading you down the path that I hope you want? Like, how do I know for sure if I'm right? So I lead you down that path and let's say you follow that. And maybe that leads you down to some weird loop of beliefs that ends up kind of in a weird place. And then I would be like, okay, am I a little, like a little bit responsible for causing that to happen? And it becomes like this whole cycle of this constantly questioning myself, but also just trying to make sense of the world. And then to a shout out to religion, it's just praying I'm doing the right thing, <laughs> calculating, but then praying that it's, it's the right way to, to do the things. So skepticism, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> skepticism does seem like a good course. I, I imagine that as you're questioning people's beliefs, you're also open to your, que- your beliefs yeah. being yeah. questioned. Absolutely. And I, that seems like a healthy direction for our society to be heading and doing it in more and more compassionate ways Um, i think that's like the real the the spiritual essence behind the work is like you can get online and say you fucking idiot i can't believe you have this opinion you're so fucking stupid you like religious like that doesn't help anything but if you can approach somebody's beliefs and i i'm speaking out of my ass here because I don't always do this and I'm not like a very good (laughs) at doing this yet, but it it is the work and I'm getting better at recognizing the defenses that people have, not taking them personally and working with it, like being like, okay, I've been there too. I can have the compassion for somebody who's in a similar situation and not let my ego bring my ego into this discussion where it's a matter of like who can make the other feel worse because that's not going to change opinion yeah so i think people anyone who thinks themselves as enlightened or um any kind of advocate or ally for a marginalized group or a cause like check the check your ego that's like the best thing that you can do realize it's not about you and if you can disarm people with compassion that's like the greatest work that you can do yeah I say it again, preaching to myself. <laughs> <laughs> also, something I've been thinking about lately, me and Tana just talked about it last week, is I think it's easy to get focused on, like, am I changing people's minds? And, you know, you maybe imagine this religious person who you would love to, you know, kind of wake up to the reality of uh, certain things. But I think... <laughs> certain things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think um, it's it. most of the time it's likely less about that and more about kind of hopefully trying to elevate the discourse. And so I feel like there are people who are kind of already in alignment with the things that we think about and talk about, but it's like giving people new language, new ways of talking about it so that they can then, um, or A, express themselves better to the people in their lives who maybe are religious, Mm. but B, so then they can be like more effective just as human beings kind of capable of doing the same thing that you hope to do, which is, yeah, disarm people entrenched in like high demand religions and stuff with empathy, but then also um, 
you know, like a lot of the stuff I listen to, it's not changing my beliefs, but it's like helping me get better at talking about certain concepts, Mm -hmm. which then makes me more, you know, it's like a domino effect. It's not, you don't necessarily have to change someone's mind to be of value in what you do. And sometimes you do plant seeds and you don't know if they're going to lead to anything. And yeah, again, just have to be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the point I've come to too, where it's kind of accepting. Yeah. Planting the seeds is a really good way to put it. I like the way you said that. And then kind of like you guys were saying is coming from, from a compassion standpoint and from that compassion standpoint, the way I kind of feel a decent way of disarming, I still struggle with this as well, but a decent way of disarming is it's like, I'm try to come from a boy and remind people. It's like, I don't know what I believe for sure. You know, I, but whenever someone comes at me with certainty, that's the way I'm like, okay, but you're the certain mm-hmm. one, right? And I'm not certain and I'm okay with not being certain. I'm asking if, are you sure you are okay with being certain? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's like doing that in the, obviously don't necessarily word it that way, but, <laughs> um, but finding a way to d- disarm through, through that method. And yeah, you, you're, you're both right where it's kind of just comes to a point of you hope for the best and it's still kind of, at the end of the day, it's part of your journey, but um, yeah. And, and I do think the big one is, is getting people to question it just, and I think there's something about questioning your certainty that, you know, I'm a big believer in, in hoping people just become more active in society, whether it's politically um, in their communities, whatever it is. And I think that's like kind of the big thing because right now I don't think we have that. Um, you know, it's, I think a pol- pol- politics is a good example of that where, you know, and I always talk about this with people cause I was a political science major. Politics was kind of the thing that if, if I was religious about anything, it was politics and my political mm-hmm. beliefs. And then that's where kind of psychedelics woke me up to something like that, mm-hmm. where I was like, ah, yeah. maybe I'm kind of being an asshole about some of my beliefs <laughs> and I am being a little bit too ideological about this. Mm-hmm. And that kind of awakened me to that stuff. And I was like, okay, but that translated into this idea about, okay, active community within the political space. And this is also knowing what you guys kind of post on social media, getting your perspective on this, where it's people focus so much what's happening nationally, which they should pay attention to that. But I always remind people that at the state level, at your local level, that's where things really can affect you. Like Texas, yeah. new abortion law, for example. The, the rest of the country, in a sense, I, we're not feeling that. Mm-hmm. But that those all those people, those millions of people that live in Texas, they're feeling that. And that's something if people were, I listened to like an NPR thing about this. And if basically if people were paying attention more to what was going on, they because there was all these reports of people just being, blindsided and so surprised that when this thing went through, but it's been happening for months now of like, this was happening. This might happen. This might happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like that people are paying attention so much. Who's going to be president of the United States, which is also important. Don't get me wrong, but it's also like, okay, you translate that what's going on at your local level that could Mm -hmm. actually mess up your life way more than anything that actually happens on a national level. Yeah. And it's so easy to criticize politicians, but I almost feel like, Mm -hmm our generation just has this expectation that society 
just provides for us. And I don't mean that in the sense of like welfare programs, which I'm very in support of, but like we don't think about like our role in communities because we are all quite isolated and we don't, we, most of us, well, I guess you were raised Mormon, but I feel like most of us weren't raised with a good sense of community. I mean, there's, there was sort of like family friend kind of like versions of it, but in terms of like, all uniting in efforts to improve the local area, to improve systems. Like, I don't feel like that was emphasized to me at all. Um, You know, I got some messaging growing up about like individual responsibility around things like climate change. But yeah, I just, I feel like a lot of people just kind of expect the world to like be a certain way for them. And it's like, what what are you doing? (laughs) You know? Totally. Uh, I've had a similar experience to that as well, where definitely wasn't community focused, like upbringing wise is very American because I, I grew up in the Midwest and very American sense of pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Uh, you know, it's still family oriented, like people are going to help you out if they're family, but also like not help you out too much because it doesn't want to feel like a handout, mm-hmm. all these like various, very American perspectives. Uh, but it was interesting because even within those various kind of community focus, whether it was just within the family, those community focused structures that they were trying to push, uh, it was never about things like climate change, for example, or how does the economic structure we live in affect your decision making? Um, you know, and how is various public policy affecting people? How is this building community? You know, it's never, it's never about that. It was always about individual. How is what are you going to do to, to for better yourself? And that's what's always fascinated me politically is uh, that idea. And that's where I've had like the, the, the switch. I was like, okay, I have these perspectives spiritually and they weren't lining up with my perspectives politically. And yeah, so it's really changed my perspective on things across the board politically mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and that's another thing that's also been interesting about Utah is politically, uh, you know, it's just things that happen in the state and seeing how much religion plays a role and seeing, you know, having a very close friend that works up at the state level lobbying and hearing about the stories and the various politics that has to go into play and the sexism that is at play as well. The mm-hmm. terrible sexism. Well, they don't even gender li- equality. Yeah. They don't even listen to people if they're a woman mm-hmm. and it's just stuff like that. Just, it blows my mind. And it's also, yeah, it's, it's disheartening, but it's also, you know, to find a way to solve that problem too, I guess. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luckily Utah, I mean, with the, how much the tech industry is growing, that gives me some mm-hmm. hope. Same. But more yeah. people are moving here who are not from that background of hierarchical patriarchy. Yeah. There's there's a lot of transplants here, so I'm also optimistic. And even within I've been here four years now, I think. Um and you, I've even over the last four years, I've I've kind of seen it transition at least a little yeah. bit. And they're having a more difficult time kind of just basically stomping their foot on any non-Mormon perspectives. They can't, mm-hmm. they can't do that anymore because there's mm-hmm. too many non-Mormons. Um, and I know like the younger generation of Mormons too is kind of, there's, it, it's kind of what I see is, is I relate this to what's happened to Christianity. Like there's a lot of non-denomination <clears throat> Christians out there. Sometimes they're super devoted Christians still, 
but oftentimes they're more of, you know, they might be pro-choice and, and I guess pro-choice is probably the big one. Um, but they're very, just much more this, this using the Bible and using Christianity to, it's kind of like their spiritual guidance, but they kind of take what they like from it, which doesn't make them super strict. I don't bug those people at all. Cause I think that's fine. If that keeps you at peace. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I just wonder if that's where Mormonism might turn a little bit. Cause the younger generation, you know, I think the internet has a lot to do with that too, where it's, it's pretty yeah. hard to maintain the facade if you do some, a couple Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is hard yet. I'm perpetually surprised by their insistence in <laughs> attempting to do so. That's and fair. they're like clamping down and turning toward fundamentalism. Like, mm. I mean, they've always been 30, 50 years behind the rest of the culture. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Which is tragically <laughs> far behind where we <laughs> yeah. should be. Uh, and, you know, they're just getting wealthier and wealthier. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how the main branch of the religion shifts in the coming years, because, I, I mean, they are frightened. They're seeing people hemorrh- hemorrh- hemorrhaging out of the religion faster than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, still getting richer. So <laughs> that's, that's true. It's, those, it's the tithings. Yeah, and, and the real estate investments and uh, yeah. the business dealing the two hundred billion stock portfolio or whatever. Also, an interesting time because it seems like I mean, with we there was a Mormon apostle who gave a really homophobic talk at BYU recently, and oh, that yes. was Something surprising else to, to it. Yeah, um, so we were surprised. I think we see a lot of evidence that the church, in many ways, is kind of like doubling down on its core orthodox members and maybe um that group is gonna i feel like this is typical as a religion kind of goes into demise you know like the the the, the really converted like hold on stronger and, and kind of entrenching it deeper but then it's also interesting because the church has been like pro-vaccination and you know yeah. talking about the pandemic and so much of its base has now like their political affiliation is trumping their religious affiliation in terms of their perceived identity. So you've got all these really right-wing Mormons in Utah who think that the prophet is wrong about masks. Mm. So I just think it's, it's an interesting mix of things going on with like the church is refusing to get as liberal as it needs to, to sort of like keep people. But then it's also somehow too liberal for like its <laughs> core base as well. And it's, what a fun shit show to watch. The prophet is only acting as a prophet when he's being homophobic. <laughs> and a medical professional. They love talking about how, like, the prophet was a medical provider. Yeah. Like, to give him credibility. But then the minute he weighs in on a medical issue, he's like, uh-uh, speaking as a man. Uh, no, that's that's a great point because that's something also that's fascinated me uh, is just the contradictions people have is you know it's most people that are in a religion if you they're gonna be like okay that's this is my idea of god this is like my most foundational belief it's my biggest claim about reality so it's probably something that is my go-to when i'm uncertain about something but yes this is another reason i brought up politics as well is is seeing how much it's influenced people's beliefs is concerned me to an extent because of what you were just talking about where it's now trumping the religious beliefs. And it's just, you see, you have people just walking around with these beliefs that are just completely contradictory to each other. 
And mm-hmm. it, it, don't get me wrong. Everyone, like I have contradictory beliefs. I think everyone has to some extent contradictory beliefs. It's something about being human and just not able to grasp everything. Part of maturity um, is being able to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, there's a point of recognizing it, but especially with something like that, where it's like, okay, your, your prophet is telling you <laughs> that masks are okay, but then you're like, no, Trump's right. Or the Republican party is right. And, and it's actually sometimes too, it's, it's also a very common belief in spiritual practices. They're super anti-mask and anti-vaccine and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, been mind-blowing to me uh the last year and a half of just seeing these things pop out uh it's concerning but also fascinating is like a nice nice word for it (laughs) (laughs) you know like when you're watching a dumpster fire you just can't look away there's something beautiful about the glow (laughs) totally that's that's exactly it that's exactly right um but yeah cat emergency (laughs) but um yeah i think that's a good close i'll take any final thoughts and then of course share your places of where people can find you and i'll also link all that stuff below but yeah i just think with any spiritual political paradigm if we don't have the ability to laugh at ourselves and and our own lack Mm -hmm. of of true understanding and true knowledge and wisdom then it's not worth a grain of salt that you Mm -hmm. know at the end of the day like the the Zen, the Zen uh, master who stands up to give a, a grand oration and just farts and walks off like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't take yourself or your ideology too seriously. And I, I think definitely learning to hold our beliefs very lightly is, mm-hmm. is an important Absolutely. Move to the future. Having a little humility about ourselves, our identities, about how life is or ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it makes makes for good more more good more beautiful more true things to to happen so yeah amen <laughs> um you can find us on youtube our channel is zelf on the shelf we're also on instagram zelf on the shelf tiktok twitter yeah yeah basically those cool well it was a wonderful combo i really appreciate you both coming on i'm glad samantha you can make it yeah, um, yeah, yeah it was a fun combo. Fun. Probably could have covered way more, but I feel like we, we covered the things I really wanted to hear your perspective. And I thought people that listen to me would also be fascinated by it. Cause like I said, I didn't come from a religious perspective. So I thought it'd be cool to, I figured we have very similar beliefs and then mm-hmm. seeing kind of how we both kind of got here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's been really yeah. fun. Thank you. Yeah.